Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Wednesday, February 5th, 2020. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, with a summary of election news. Today, Iowa precincts are now reporting on Monday's caucuses, but results are still incomplete. Biden goes on the attack in New Hampshire. Biden is well behind Sanders in New Hampshire polling, but maintains a national lead. More on the app that sunk the Iowa caucuses. And Mitt Romney is the little senator who could. It is six days until the New Hampshire primary, 27 days until Super Tuesday, and 272 days until the general election. And here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. I'm sorry to the lovely people in Iowa how sick everybody is of Iowa by now, including probably Iowans. The Iowa Democratic Party finally began releasing results at 4 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday from Monday's caucuses. The first batch covered 62% of precincts, and the second later in the evening brought that to 71%. That ticked up to 75% at about 1.30 p.m. Central before I recorded this podcast. The party gave no insight into why remaining tabulation is taking this long or when it will be completed. The New York Times reported just now, The precincts left to report results are scattered throughout the state in 87 of Iowa's 99 counties. Many of them are in Polk County, the state's largest county, where just two-thirds of the 177 precincts are accounted for. The analysis by the Associated Press, individual candidates' campaigns, and other sources, based on access to varying numbers of tally sheets from the caucuses, played out in the results. Multiple candidates can also claim a sort of win from them using different measures. Former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg will pull off topping the state delegate equivalent SDE count, a figure calculated by taking each caucus's allotted delegates and using a formula of the number of participants in each caucus and how they broke to viable candidates. With 75% reporting, Buttigieg received 442 SDEs, or 26.9% of them, translating into 11 national pledged delegates. Senator Bernie Sanders performed at this juncture slightly worse with 414 SDEs, or 25.2% of the total, 1.7% less. But that also translates to 11 delegates. Warren brought up the third position with 299 SDEs and 18.2% of the total, earning five delegates at this recording. Former Vice President Joe Biden got 15.6%, and Senator Amy Klobuchar received 12.6% of SDEs. Neither received any delegates. In sixth place, entrepreneur Andrew Yang picked up 15 SDEs, or 1.5%. However, 14 delegates remain at this recording to be allocated based on the so far unreported results of the remaining precincts. Judge's campaign appears confident it will continue to break in the same way. But there's a different way to slice this, of course. The SDEs are a little bit like the Electoral College, with differing numbers of caucus goers in each location not producing a precisely proportional result. Purely on votes cast, Sanders was at the top with 34,136, or 26.1%, Buttigieg second with 33,094, or 25.3%, a less than 1% difference. Warren was close behind with 26,613, or 20.4%. Then there's a significant drop to Biden, 17,623, and Klobuchar is neck and neck with 16,116. Sanders can declare victory on this front if it continues to hold. Biden has little to crow about because he should have performed well in Iowa. Warren's difference in actual votes is relatively slight, so this doesn't seem to harm her at all. Klobuchar can make the valid claim that she is still in the running and, as she noted on caucus evening, her campaign punched above its weight. 
But there's one more measure of strength, which is the shift in votes between the first alignment, or the clustering when everyone arrived at their respective caucus, and the final when attendees had to organize only behind candidates with 15% or more. Yang and billionaire Tom Steyer had some initial support, but nearly all of their votes had to shift to other candidates. That was about 7,600 votes. Some of these people left, but others stayed and backed another candidate. Among the top five final candidates, Klobuchar only lost slightly. Biden dropped by nearly over 2,000 votes in the realignment. Warren and Sanders picked up more than 1,500 each, but Buttigieg gained over 4,000. Over 134,000 votes were counted in the first alignment, and about 4,000 fewer in the final alignment so far. This is all fascinating in thinking about how, if we were in a ranked voting system, people would pick second and third candidates if their main choice weren't available. By the way, the Democratic National Committee would like to be very clear that it had no control or involvement whatsoever in the Iowa caucuses, so please do not blame it for that state's missteps. The focus of the nomination race shifted to New Hampshire almost the second it appeared that Iowa wasn't going to deliver results the night of the caucuses. Candidates skedaddled off as quickly as possible, in part because, while the Senate was in session on Monday and Tuesday, the impeachment trial hadn't resumed. That allowed Klobuchar, Sanders, and Warren more critical days of on-the-ground appearances on Tuesday and part of Wednesday before they hot-footed it back to D.C. I'll discuss the impeachment trial at the end of the podcast, but it's plausible the three senators will be back in New Hampshire as soon as Wednesday night to resume campaigning. Biden has come out swinging in New Hampshire, a state in which Sanders will certainly score a win, maybe a big win, given the state's adjacency to his adopted Vermont. Here are a few remarks from Biden on the campaign trail. At this rate, New Hampshire will be the first in the country to get to vote. I am not going to sugarcoat it. We took a gut punch in Iowa. The whole process took a gut punch. But look, uh, this isn't the first time in my life I've been knocked down. Senator Sanders is a nominee for the party. Every Democrat in America up and down the ballot, blue states, red states, purple states, it's easy and easy districts and competitive ones. Every Democrat will have to carry the label Senator Sanders has chose for himself, chosen for himself. He's a good man, but he labeled himself. So what do you think about who's going to be at the top of the ticket? Donald Trump is desperate to, bend the, to bend, pin the socialist label of socialist, socialist, socialist on our party. We can't let him do that. Biden also went after Buttigieg, tweeting today, quote, Mayor Pete likes to call me part of the old failed Washington. Was it a failure when I helped pass Obamacare, the Paris Agreement, the Violence Against Women Act, or the assault weapons ban? I have a stronger record of passing big, progressive legislation than anyone running, end quote. There are no reports of similar frontal attacks or of anything substantive, frankly, from other leading candidates. As noted, three senators had to return to Washington, and Buttigieg appears to keep focusing on his ostensible win-by-one-measure in Iowa. The Election Ride Home is brought to you by Plexiderm. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag, thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes, and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. 
Flexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TryFlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TryFlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so to get my special discount, enter VOICES at TryPlexiderm.com. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need Home Title Lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Polls show an increasing lead by Sanders over Biden in every New Hampshire poll and Biden dropping below Buttigieg, although within the margin of error in those polls. A 7 News Emerson College poll conducted February 2nd to 4th saw Buttigieg in a minor surge, even as Sanders remains far and away at the top. The survey spoke to 500 Democratic and independent voters and has a plus or minus 4.3 margin of error. Sanders was at the top at 32%, then Buttigieg at 17%, up 5% over the previous poll. Biden, Klobuchar, and Warren make up the rest of the top of the pack at 13, 11, and 11%. Boston Globe, WBZ-TV, Suffolk University's latest poll from Tuesday, conducted after the Iowa caucuses and released last night, included 500 likely voters and had a plus or minus 4.4% margin of error. Sanders was at the top at 24%, Biden dropped over the last few days from 18 to 15%, and Buttigieg jumped up from 11 to 15% from Monday to Tuesday polling. However, those differences are within the margin of error, but significant enough and at the edges that they're more likely to track well than not. We'll start to see a cluster of polls in the next few days that will crystallize the takeaway that New Hampshire residents made, if any, from Iowa. In a national poll from The Economist YouGov conducted February 2nd to 4th, Biden did better, with 24% picking him, 19% Sanders, 18% Warren, and Buttigieg and billionaire media mogul Mike Bloomberg at 9% each. That poll surveyed 616 likely Democratic primary voters and had a plus or minus 3.1% margin of error. The latest national survey from Ipsos Reuters, conducted January 31st to February 3rd, asked questions about Democratic candidates of 521 voters registered as Democrats and independents. Whom would they vote for if the primary were today? The results had a margin of error between 5.7% for Democratic voters and 11.7% for a smaller pool of independents, but a lower margin for both together, which was not calculated. For Democratic voters, Biden scored 27%, Sanders 21%, Warren 12% and Bloomberg 9%. Everyone else was at 6% or lower, while 10% said they didn't know. 
For combined Democratic and independent poll subjects, it was Biden at 22%, Sanders at 19%, Warren at 10%, Bloomberg at 9%, and the rest at 5% or below. 17% said they didn't have an answer, though. Polls are thin on the ground in South Carolina, a state in which Biden is expected to perform better, but which doesn't have its primary until February 29th. He leads there in a survey released a few days ago by Change Research at 25% to Sanders at 20% among 651 likely Democratic voters with a plus or minus 4% margin of error. Tom Steyer has a remarkable 18% in that poll, a result of his extensive spending on video advertising in that state. Steyer needs one more poll like that from a different survey company in South Carolina or any survey firm in Nevada to wind up in the ninth Democratic debate. Warren scored below Steyer at 11% and Buttigieg at 9%, but the poll was conducted January 26th to 29th. Gallup released the latest regular update to its political sentiment poll yesterday, covering surveys asked between January 16th and 29th. There were three key election takeaways. Quote, 39% of registered voters say they will vote for Trump regardless of whom the Democratic Party nominates for president, while nearly the same percentage, 36%, say they will vote against Trump regardless of whom the Democrats choose. 24% of voters say they are waiting to see whom the Democrats nominate. End quote. Second, Democrats surveyed say by 56% to 42% that they want a nominee with the best chances to beat Trump rather than one aligned on issues they care most about. This 14% margin is smaller than 24% measured in November. Gallup concludes voters may have a harder time settling. Third, asked about the candidate most likely to beat Trump and picking just one, Biden scored 44%, Sanders at 19%, Bloomberg at 10%. A little more follow-up on the disastrous shadow app used for Iowa caucus vote collection. Every new piece of news about it indicates it was a clear disaster from the start. The programming was started late, developers and managers lacked experience, there was no time allotted for testing, and the app was installed using an app test system that bypasses most normal Google and Apple App Store processes. Normally, specialized apps are either released into the app stores generally, following all procedures for approval, but only people with an account or a special profile can run it. Uber's driver app, for instance, is in the general app stores. A second option is to use an enterprise distribution process intended for companies. That would have been appropriate here, and it's what I assumed was used. It's a way to ensure an app is legitimately produced by a licensed developer. It requires extra steps, and I thought that was what was going on. However, reporting in Motherboard, the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal make it clear that the Shadow app wasn't even ready for App Store submission and didn't use the enterprise model. Instead, they distributed via one or more beta test apps that allow earlier forms of apps to be installed. With Apple, the app has to go through fewer stages of review. With Google Play, it's even simpler. But for users, they have to install a beta test installation app like Test Flight from Apple, then accept an invitation to test within that app, then install the app itself. Then, according to reporting, precinct chairs had to enter a two-factor authentication code sent to them and then a PIN to verify their possession of additional data. Those who got through some of those hoops found the app buggy, crashy, or non-responsive. Some couldn't get their PIN accepted. Some couldn't get the second factor code to be registered. And many precinct chairs are of an older persuasion and barely or not comfortable with smartphones in any case. But even some of the tech-savviest chairs had trouble with the app. In the Nevada caucuses coming up on February 22nd, the state Democratic Party was planning to use not one, but two apps from two different vendors because that would surely be better. One was for caucus goers to cast a vote. The other used by precinct staff for tabulation. 
That latter app was developed by Shadow and has been dropped. And as in Iowa, there are also paper ballots used for a backup paper trail. The party appears to be looking at this late date for a different tabulation app, which seems an impossible task. The Associated Press reported, quote, an official with one Democratic presidential campaign in Nevada, who was not authorized to speak publicly, said because of the similarity to the Iowa Democratic Party's plans, there was mounting concern about Nevada's ability to pull off a smooth process, and Nevada Democrats needed to offer more information to reassure the campaigns, end quote. The Iowa caucuses could wind up causing a triple kibosh. The end of caucuses for determining national delegates in Iowa. The end of Iowa and possibly New Hampshire, maybe even South Carolina and Nevada as first in the nation states. And the postponement of app-based voting indefinitely. The impeachment trial wrapped up this afternoon. President Trump, as expected, not only wasn't found culpable of either charge with the required two-thirds majority in the Senate, but the vote on each article didn't even cross a majority. The votes occurred in the Senate shortly after 4 p.m. Eastern today. The only extraordinary moment came today a couple hours before the vote when Mitt Romney, senator from Utah and former presidential candidate in 2012, went to the Senate floor and declared he would vote in favor of the charge of abuse of power. He said he would vote against obstruction of justice arguing Democrats had more means at their disposal to obtain evidence. Romney said this. Corrupting an election to keep oneself in office is perhaps the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. Meanwhile, Alabama Senator Doug Jones, a Democrat, made it clear after weeks of keeping an even message to his severely divided state that he would vote for both articles of impeachment, as he did in the event. Jones has a potentially impossible re-election campaign this fall, two years after his special election to fill Jeff Sessions' seat. Sessions became attorney general for a while, but is now running in the Republican primaries to regain his former seat. However... Everyone also said it was impossible for Jones to win last time, though he did run against an accused harasser and romancer of teenaged girls. West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin also opted to stick with the Democratic caucus, despite some concern he would cross the aisle. The final vote in Article 1 was 52 to 48 against the abuse of power, and on Article 2, 53 to 47 against the obstruction of justice. Romney's statement may make the re-election campaign for Susan Collins of Maine even harder. The Republican is facing high levels of unpopularity back home for her fairly consistent support of Trump and hardline policies, despite her reputation as a moderate. I lived in Maine for a couple of years, and the reputation is true. Mainers favor independence and free thinking above voting a party line. They prefer politicians who vote for honest reasons, even if they oppose the policy. Romney's vote in favor of one article will enrage Trump and his base. It will result in endless abuse for Romney, and it removes the credibility of the president's, well, he did it, but it's not impeachable, defenders as having a solid red line marked across it. Romney has four more years in his term. Utah, by the way, often likes politicians who express moral clarity on issues instead of backing the party position. And that's the election roundup for today. I am your host, Glenn Fleischman. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. I am also on Twitter at Glenn F. That's G-L-E-N-N-F like Frank. Tune in again tomorrow for more election news. Thanks for listening and have a pleasant remainder of your day. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? 
Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.